and I want God's best for you. But here's the bigger, cooler thing. God wants his best for you. In fact, let's take a look, tweens and teens, in Ephesians chapter 6, the beginning verses. In fact, let's, let's actually start with verse 3. I want to put a little perspective on here. Verse 3 in chapter 6 of Ephesians. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, there's some people going around here that will let you borrow one here this morning to look at. Let's take a look at verse 3. Tweens and teens. Oh, by the way, parents, you're listening, aren't you? Are, are you? Or, or maybe those who someday might be parents. All right, listen. Because here's the deal. As I'm talking with them, I want for you to be asking yourself this question. Oh, and by the way, grandparents too. And be asking yourself this question. How can I help my tweens, my teens, and I bring the tweens and teens in this right at the because that's mainly who's in here. But we're also talking to all children, as we'll mention here in a moment. And parents and adults, I want for you to be thinking, how can I help these guys do this? Okay? Let's take a look at verse 3. Look at this. Tweens and teens. It says, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Hey, I want for you to know that this is coming from Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, from the Ten Commandments. And God had said back then to, to you, teens and tweens, that if you do what God says, he says that he is going to bless you. Now, what that blessing means today, there's a principle here that comes out of this. I want to start from this standpoint of this. Listen, teens and tweens, what I'm about to talk here out of the scriptures, God is saying this is for your good. In fact, this is going to help you a whole lot. Okay? So this is a positive thing. This is a blessing thing that's taking place here. Let's go to back to verse 1. And we're going to take this word by word. Children. Now, all right there, tweens and teens, you're already like, okay, I'm out. Because this is talking to toddlers. You know the cute little ones who, like, can't go to the bathroom on their own? You know those little ones? The cutesy little And that's talking to them but not to me. Wrong. The Greek word that's used here is not about an age as much as it's about a stage of life. It's referring to those who are living under a parent's authority, a parent's rule, a parent's home. And so this actually covers up the same word, the technon, that's used here in the Greek, is used in other passages referring to adults. So once you're a tween, once you're a teen, it doesn't mean you're out of the picture anymore. Actually, this word is speaking to you. So we could say this because of who's in here, generally in here this morning, tweens and teens. Okay? Tweens and teens, you're to do something. Obey. <laughs> Wow, don't you love that one? I mean, it's like, you know, here's one of the cool things about God. God doesn't, like, play around. God just at times, like, gets at it. And here he says, obey. Now, hang with me. Listen to me, okay? Because what he's talking about here is that he's talking about a command. This is what's called a present active imperative verb. In other words, imperative. It's a command. It's saying this, tweens and teens, you must obey. And it's a present act of continuous, which means it's a verb that's not referring to one time in the past. It's referring to all the time. All the time. Teens, you must all the time, presently and continuously, be an obeyer of your parents or parents. 
The word obey is to follow, to be subject to an authority. Listen, God has an order in life. And understand this. You look forward to the day when you get to leave home. And that's a cool day. But understand this. You will always be under authority. You are never going to get out from under authority. I'm still looking for the chance. And it doesn't happen. Because when you get out, you're under authority at work. When you get out of the home, you're under authority at college. When you get out, you're under the authority of the government. When you get out, you're always under the authority of God. And so the issue is, is oftentimes teens and tweens kind of want to get out of the, I hate authority, it's just annoying in my life, and I, I'm so sorry to, to, to like be the bummer about it, but you're always going to be in that. What God is really saying here is, you need to learn how to live under authority, because you're going to be all your life. All your life. And we can look at it as a real bummer, or we can look at it as, you know what, that's the way God designed things. And that's the way God designed things. So obey. By the way, Colossians 3.20, the sister verse here of Ephesians chapter 6, says, in everything. Pretty heavy. Listen, teens and tweens, outside of sin, you obey all the time. Outside of being asked to do something that's sinful before God, hey, honey, will you lie? No, I can't do that, Dad. Hey, honey, will you do this? I don't really want to. No, no, no. Obey. Obey whom? Who are you supposed to obey? Your parents. Obey your parents in the Lord. Listen, teens, you know you're not have you don't have parents that are perfect. I am not here today assuming or saying that your parents are perfect. And in fact, uh, we all know that all parents are imperfect, right? So when it's talking here, it's saying that you're to obey your parents in the Lord. It's not talking about because they're perfect, but it's talking about because God has put on your parents a responsibility and a responsibility that they're going to be held accountable for. And that is to parent you. And they're not perfect. And that, frankly, doesn't really matter. You're to obey them. What does obeying your parents look like? Let me give you four things here, teens and tweens. One, it's kind of the obvious. Do what you're asked to do. Do what you're asked to do. And you do it not just to do it, but you do it without challenge. You do it without excuse. You do it without delay. You do it without a copped attitude. And you do it without the, my parents are an idiot. Even if you think they are. And I gotta tell you, parents, that is a very hard thing to do right there. I don't stand here and say it like I get a great big thrill joy out of telling you tweens and teens that that's what you gotta do. Because I sit here and I look at that and I go, that is a hard task that God has put on your platter. But that's what he's put. So what does it look like? It looks like doing what you're asked. But Pastor Doug, that they're not fair. It's not the best. It doesn't make sense. Do what you're asked. Second way is make respectful requests. Obeying doesn't mean you can ask for a request. That You can't do that. I mean, you can go, but Dad, I don't get what's going on here. Can you explain that to me? And Dad, you should explain it to me. And then go, even if you're like tweens and teens, even if you're like, but that doesn't even still make any sense. Like, that's still kind of dumb. You, you, you still go, you know what? I'm doing it anyway. Okay, but you can make requests. You, you can ask for clarification. You can give your ideas for it. 
do, obeying your parents looks like doing what you're asked to do as an act of worship to Christ. Dad, can I like have five minutes before I do that? No, I need for you to do it right now. Crud. I'm, I'm thinking now. Crud, God. Like, what's his deal? I mean, like, did he just, like, have a bad day? I mean, God, he's got a bad attitude. And maybe he does. But you know what, God? You tell me this is what you want me to do. And this is about pleasing you. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it because this is what you want me to do. And by the way, if I do this, you say, that if I live like this, that you will bless me. And I'm going to hold you to it. Doing what is asked of you as an act of worship. Uh, teens, tweens, obey your parents in the Lord. By the way, in the Lord, I just want to make this note. Tweens and teens, this is not a big parenting scheme. This wasn't like all his parents got together and said, let's try and figure out how we can make these kids like so frustrated and annoyed. Okay? I just want for you to know that. That never happened. Uh, in this process, this is the kind of thing that God put this into place. Okay? So in the Lord. And why do this? Look at end of verse 1. For this is right. And I, I just say, this is right from God's perspective. This is the right thing to do. Well, I don't like it. I know. You know what? There's a lot of days where I don't like waking up in the morning and having to do things that I have to do. There's times where I don't like having to address things, even in my home. There's times where I don't like have to address things with, with our kids. There's times where I don't like to have to do this or I don't like. I get that. No, we all get that, right? We all know about that. But we do it because it's right. This is not about a feeling-oriented life. This is about a truth-oriented life. And I want for you teens and tweens to be truth-oriented individuals and not feeling-oriented individuals. In fact, in Colossians 3.20, it says this is pleasing to the Lord. I don't mean it's easy. Not like it's the greatest thing ever. I'm sure you don't wake up every morning going, yeah, another day to obey mom. Secondly, chapter or verse 2, honor your father and mother. Now, again, honor here, it's a verb. It's a present active imperative verb. It's another command. You are told here not only to obey, but to honor. Honor means to set a high price on something, to reveal the value. Listen, teens and tweens, God calls you to be ones who obey and honor your parents. Presently, continuously. By the way, the whole honoring thing, uh, I want for you to understand this. It's not referring to an earned honor. And you may say, and you may be exactly right, that frankly, my mom, my dad, frankly, Doug, Pastor Doug, you don't understand. They really don't even act like a Christian. And that may be the case. But what it's talking about here is an honor that is given, not because they've earned the honor, but because you know that God has placed a responsibility upon them. And they have a responsibility before God to parent you. And by the way, God is going to hold them accountable. Okay? So God will take care of that. But your job is to give them honor even at times when they don't deserve it in your eyes. You're to do it anyway. Presently, continuously, all the time. Honor your father and mother. 
It's interesting. The Bible tells us to honor widows, widows, tells us to honor God, tells us to honor the scriptures. It tells us to honor Christ. And the Bible tells teens and tweens and children to honor parents. Honoring your parents is a choice that you make. And you have a choice. And teens and tweens, I just want to say this. Make the right choice. I love you enough and God loves you enough that he's saying this. Listen, if you make the right choice, if you for the 18 years, listen, you're going to leave home. It's not the situation for your entire life. You're going to leave home one day. And you have the ability to then at that point to make a choice on what you're going to do with your life that time. But during this stage of life, you obey and you honor your parents. And if you don't, I'm going to love you enough just to tell you. If you don't, the scriptures talk about the principle of the life of the transgressor is hard. And you can right here this morning say, Pastor Doug, I hear you. I see what it's saying there. I see what God says, but frankly, cram it. I don't want to do it. And I just want to tell you what's coming. Because God is not a pampering loving God. God is a perfecting loving God. And if you aren't dealing with this now, I'm just telling you, the scriptures say your life is going to get harder and harder and harder and harder by God's loving, perfecting hand until you come to a point where you humble yourselves and place yourselves under his authority. And if you don't, your life is going to be hard. And I don't want for your life to be hard. I've been there. And I'm just going to tell you, it's hard to do what God wants you to do. But there's blessing that comes out of it. Now, hard words for teens and tweens. Now, believe me, I understand. Parents, isn't that tough? In fact, parents, don't you right now, yeah, you do, right now, you don't even know the question, don't you right now sit here and go, wow, I can really make it hard on my kid. I mean, they're supposed to obey me and honor me all the time. And yet, frankly, I've kind of been really hard to be a parent that is obeyed. And I've been living as a parent that's really hard to honor. I've been speaking of my spouse in bad ways. I've been speaking of other people in bad ways. I've been behaving myself before them in bad ways. And you can make it really hard or you can really help them. We want to help them, don't we? And you want to be able to do what God wants you to do, right? So let's turn the page. Not not turn the page. But let's turn the thinking, turn the focus over to parents. All right? Parents, put your hand up. Your grandparent, regular parent, non-regular parent. (laughs) Okay? Hands up. Okay, there's a lot of you in here, and someday some of you may be parents. So let's listen up to what God has to say to you. Here we go. Man, I'll tell you, when we go to two services... I'm going to have the hardest time staying on time. (laughs) Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Parents, it's your turn here. Fathers. The first word that's noted here. Fathers. Now, it's interesting here because this also, mothers, this in essence also includes you in this. But fathers is put here in the context of Ephesians, as it's flowing, there, there is, there's a headship responsibility on the dads. There's a Mr. First responsibility reality on the dads. 
Listen, guys, as I talked about back before, your neck, my neck, is on the chopping block first in the family. And here it's reiterated by this fact that this is really directed at fathers, but also to, to mothers. But it's pointing out the primary importance of dads in what's about to be said. And I think part of the reason, I just say this as I think, I also think part of the reason that God put this here, directing it to dads, is because I think what's about to be said is about the area that dads typically want to pack it up and just mentally collapse out. Because men are generally lazy. Men are generally lazy. And again, as you've, if you've been here for a while, as you heard me say, hey, ladies, don't get too critical about that because women are generally critical. And let's take a look at this. Fathers, uh, talking about mothers as well, and I'll, I'll show you here in just a moment why that's the case. Do not do something. This is a negative emphatic, may. The Greek word for no is at the beginning of this statement here. And that in the Greek order, the first words have emphasis. And here in this, it's kind of like saying this, fathers, no. Fathers, no, don't do this. It's an emphatic. It's a waiting on of the negative. We're about to be told here not to do something. It's also this verb here is a present active continuous. Don't do this continuously. Don't be this way. Yes, we're sinners. Yes, mom and dads, we're sinners. And we fall into what's about to be said. But don't make this as a continuous way that you parent. Well, what is that? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, In fact, what are some of the other versions? What do they say? Exasperate. Is that NIV? Yeah, great way to say it. Do not exasperate your children. Have you ever been exasperated, parents? I mean, maybe at work, or you remember back in school, or, or, and you just sit there and you go, for the life of me, I cannot win. I remember as a teen, I just give up at times. Can't win. <laughs> it's not worth it. I try, and I try, and I try, and I can't win. That's exasperating. Parents, don't be that way. Isn't it cool how honest God is? I mean, God just comes out right out and says, Parents, do not be the kind of parent that provokes your children to anger. Don't provoke them to an angry lifestyle where they're always being frustrated. I love Colossians 3.21. It says, Do not exasperate that they may, lose, that they may not lose heart. After a while, it's, you can just for them. It's, it's like, I just lose heart. Pastor Doug, I can't obey. I can't honor them because they just, it's not working. And parents, it's our job to help them, to help them see that this is the thing to be doing. God is not saying don't make your kids angry. Listen, your kids are going to get angry at times, just as we get angry at times. It's not what this is saying, but it's saying getting in them, developing in them. I cannot succeed lifestyle. Uh, Lou Priolo's book we have out here, The Heart of Anger. Chapter 2, phenomenal. Uh, He lists 25 ways parents exasperate their children. Let me just give you some of them. Lack of marital harmony. Just when it's always like this, between a husband and a wife, the kid's sitting there like, how exasperating is this? By the way, who are you to tell me how to have a relationship and how to handle problems when you're always like this? 
a child-centered home. Isn't that interesting? But I thought they would love that. No. Children don't want a child-centered home. Children want a marriage-centered home. They want a gospel-centered home. Not a child-centered. It's not, they already know it's all about them. That's the problem. It's exasperating when you're modeling sinful anger. It's exasperating when you have inconsistent discipline, which we'll be talking about next week. When you have double standards for yourself, between the kids, for others, and then for your kids. Being legalistic. Rules for everything. Sounds like the government. Just come up with one more rule. Not admitting that you're wrong. Not seeking forgiveness. When was the last time you asked your child for forgiveness? I can't think of the last time. Are you kidding me? Serious. Do we have it that together? That we don't sin before our kids? How exasperating must that be for them? When I demand them seeking forgiveness. Hmm. Just not playing with them. Not having time just to talk and hang. Not keeping your promises. Allowing too much freedom exasperates. Not allowing freedom exasperates. There's a whole list. Go to chapter 2, The Heart of Anger. Take a look. Fathers, parents, do not exasperate. Okay, we don't want to be that way. In fact, we're to bring them up. We're to be the kind of parents that bring them up, raising them up from one point to the next. In fact, let's go to that. Let me hit a couple slides from last week. Remember priority, purpose, and plan. The priority as parents is to have a gospel-centered, marriage-focused home that we talked about last week. A gospel-centered, marriage-focused, not a self-centered, child-focused home. Our purpose is to raise my child to leave home, equip to handle life biblically. So when they get to that point that they're at the door, that they're heading on their way out, it's like, man, son, hey, daughter, honey, we really, we sought to put what in. We're not perfect, but we sought to equip you, and now you are going to make a choice at this point on what you're going to do. Uh, and that's biblically. And then a plan is to see and use all of life as an opportunity to teach and train. Well, then also in that, go ahead and hit the next one. We talked about TPT. Remember TPT? Temporary, permanent, temporary. The, the main thing is this marriage is permanent. Marriage is to be permanent. And my relationship with my children has a temporary reality to it. As I've mentioned a couple of times now, Karen and I are right in that stage. Our kids are off in college. We're in that place where we're seeing them leave. And I'll tell you, it's great. I kind of joke at times and say, man, it's so cool. And they, they might listen to this. But Luke and Emily, it's so cool that you're leaving. And, you know, people look like, are you kidding me? You really don't love them? No, I love them enough, as the scriptures say in Genesis and Ephesians 5.31, that our purpose is for them to leave. I don't want them to stay home. I don't want them to stay under my uh, roof or my obedience as a parent. Go! Go! Goodness, go! But I don't want them leaving without having equippedness going on in their life. We want them to be equipped as they leave. And now we get the glorious time of just Karen and I home. It's great. Isn't it empty nesters? I'm loving this. 
And part of the reason, I'm not trying to, that we're the perfect examples, but when we were younger, we got these principles taught to us that when our kids leave home and it's during that time, it's me and her. And I love this me and her thing. And we keep this as the focus even while we're raising kids. And in this, I just say, adults with married children, please let them leave. Karen and I have talked to so many young married couples over the years that still have mother-in-law just judging daughter-in-law. She can't do it quite the way I could. Her dad, you know, well, he doesn't take care of her the way. Oh, please don't do that. Okay, that's what we talk about, the permanent, temporary, permanent. Go to the next slide. This is what we talk about as well. When I have a child, the scriptures talk about they're spiritually dead, they're deceitful, they're foolish in their heart. By the way, I do believe in, they quote, age of accountability. Uh, David talks about it. I think Job talks about it. Or So I'm not talking about that issue, but I am saying what's built within the heart of a child is in this aspect is they're spiritually dead and deceitful, foolish hearts, sinners separated from God in their position. And yet over here, I want them to leave home over the times. I want them to be redeemed. I want them to be equipped. I want them to be a learner as we shoot them out of the door. Now, let's take this into perspective here and go to our toolbox. Because he says, bring them up. Do this process, parents. And do this. And there's two, two tools in your toolbox. Ready? Let's take a look at what they are. Uh, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. There's two tools that, uh, that we had in, in the slide. Keep it right there. In the slide before, instruction and correction. Instruction and correction. So today, let's kind of dig into instruction for the next ten minutes. All right? And next week, I'm bringing these things together here in instruction and discipline. Because you're to instruct parents. The word instruction, nuthasia. It's an instructional training. It's training. It's a warning out of great love. It's forming inner convictions in our children, in our teens, and in our tweens. You could go to Proverbs. Look at the beginning of Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs 2, Proverbs 3, Proverbs 4, Proverbs 5, Proverbs 6, Proverbs 7. You're going to see a dad who's talking about, listen, son, to my instruction. You're going to see in there where it says, listen, son, to my instruction. Listen to your mother's teaching. And we need to be people that are teaching. So here we go. Parents, teach. Parents, teach. Teach your kids. Are you teaching your kids? You are to be doing that. That's your first tool in the toolbox. How, uh, parents, are you teaching a parent? Are, are you a teaching parent? And I just want to say this. I, I bring this up, and you may be, well, yeah. But in just a little bit, because, again, as Karen and I have had the chance over the years, and I've talked with others who have worked over the years with people and parents, I'm just seeing more and more of a picture that actually parents, on the whole, are not teaching their children. And they think that they are. But they really aren't. And I don't mean that to be a downer to you. I mean that to be a challenge to you. Uh, take a look here. Uh, let's take a look at the Ephesians 6-4 graph. Ephesians 6.4, it had two things. Instruction. We're going to talk about this more next week. We've had instruction. from the, When a child is first born, it's not like you can sit down and go to the little baby, okay, now Ephesians 6.1 says, and they're like, yeah, okay, I got it. It just doesn't quite work that way. 
But so what happens is, is you have instruction that starts out small and increases and increases over time. Bring up the next one to the discipline. And the correction. We have correction. It's, t- it's training with a bite, as we're going to talk about next week. The correction in the beginning starts high. Don't touch the stove. The, don't, don't do that. You know, don't poke sister's eyeball out. It, all the real stuff, right? Okay, we just don't stop. That's kind of the correction in the early years, and and there's kind of small amount of teaching, but then that grows and that grows and that grows. Let's go to the next one. And so what we're talking about right here is this instruction curve. And I just want to say, parents, for you, your instruction as your child moves along should get more and more and more and more and more. Okay? So parents teach, and parents teach what? Teach the Scriptures. What are we supposed to be teaching? We're supposed to be teaching the scriptures. Here's some things you're not to be teaching, in essence, as your whole overall thing. It's not about I can accomplish anything gospel. Listen, little Lukey, I just want for you to know you can accomplish anything in life, anything if you put your mind to it. No, you can't. I don't get that because I'm just telling you that is a lie. I remember in Emily's, I think her third grade class, they used to have this song. The guy's singing a contemporary song. He's singing, he's going, I can fly, I can fly. I'm like, no, you can't. I believe I can fly. I'm like, that's what happens when someone's on drugs. And they jump out of a building and they learn they can't. And that's not what we're teaching in this process. We're not teaching that I can accomplish anything. We're not teaching behaviorism. Listen, just put on a wall of do's. And just have a certain look about you because that's the way the Helmer family is. No. Also not isolation. If we pull them out of the world and we raise them in a cave, then when we put them out later on, then they'll be able to be effective. Um, yeah, there's things we need to protect our children from. Absolutely. But if we're raising them equipped to leave home to handle life biblically, we have to let them also over the time at the appropriate times help them learn how to handle life in the process. It's not about a you need to love your inner self-esteem more gospel. Ah. The problem is, is they already love themselves to death. And when you look at it biblically, what we're trying to do is we're trying to use the Scripture and the work and the hand of God to help them get over themselves and to get out of themselves and to live for Jesus Christ, which means being a servant and being humble and betraying oneself for others. Because that doesn't come naturally. And that needs to be taught. It requires faithful persistence. Just for time, I've got to keep going. Teach. Teach the scriptures, and third, teach the scriptures on purpose. Teach the scriptures on purpose. Four ways to teach on purpose. One, teach formally. Teach formally. If I were to ask you parents, if I were to ask you right now with your children, what are you teaching them right now? What's the thing you're working on teaching your kids right now? Would you be able to answer me? And if the answer is no, which for our life in many times was a lot of part of our life, then the answer to, am I teaching formally? The answer to that is no, you're not. Teaching formally means you have a plan. 
and you are working to teach in a formal, moving kind of way with your child. You're teaching formally. One way you can do that is what I call a Luke 2.52 plan. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man, four areas of life. Jesus increased in wisdom intellectually. Jesus increased in stature physically. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, favor with God spiritually and with man socially. Those are four areas. It's interesting. That's what it's about the whole life, early life childhood of Jesus. That's what we know. He grew in those four ways. So if Jesus grew in those four ways, I think it would probably be a good idea for me to be growing with my kids in those four ways. And so what I can do is put a plan together where maybe one, one a month, in January is that, February is that, that, and so I focus, oh, we're one a week. This week is spiritual emphasis week. Next week is physical emphasis week. Next week is social emphasis week. Next week is whatever the fourth one is week. Okay? And in that pattern where there's a plan to it, and then you've literally got, what are you teaching? What are you teaching? Another way to go is a stage of life teaching. In fact, all parents, I've got out on the table. As you go out today, there's about three pages that are stapled together. You can take one of those, and it has this various stages of life, from 0 to 6, 6 to 12, and 12 and above. And it lists about, on each of those, about uh, 12 to 15, 18 characteristics for that stage of life. And you can have a characteristic stage. Well, right now we're working with my child on helping them to understand X. This, this is what we're going at, and this is what we're teaching with them. There's outside resources. Karen used to use this one with Emily, where it's about character things and just polished cornerstones. Where it was a book, and I was like, that a book? And, and in this book, it would go through and have characteristics for a woman and working with your young daughter and just helping you along. There's tools like that. The point is, is are you teaching formally? You are to do that. Secondly, not only teach formally, but teach informally. Everybody turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6. Let me start in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. I would say this, that's the formal reality. That's the formal teaching. Diligently I'm teaching. There's a purposefulness. There's a process for what we're teaching. Teaching diligently. These, uh, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them. I love this. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you get up. That's teaching informally. That's seeing and using life to teach. Whether you're hanging out at the TV, you're walking down the road, you're walking out of the house, you're walking in the house. You're in the car, you're out of the car. You're at the game, you're at the concert. You're at the this, you're at the that. All of life's an opportunity to teach. All of life. Use it. Use it. Don't just get through. It's not just about surviving as a parent. It's about thriving in your child's heart as a parent. And use the time for it. Invest in them. Pour it out on them. Use life events. Make life observations. Form planned scenarios. When you're in the car, dad, be thinking, what can I, okay, kids, this happens. This comes up and someone comes up and asks you this. What are you going to do? What do you base that on? I loved it when our kids started getting like to that 10-year-old age. And you can start bringing up scenarios and preemptively bringing up issues that they're going to be talking about, that they're going to be going through. And using informal opportunities. So teach formally, teach informally, and this is what I put in. Teach creatively. 
please teach creatively. I, I just, I'm so blessed to have grown up in a home where my dad modeled that. I mean, we built airplanes in our garage. We built garages. My dad tried to land his airplane in our front yard and literally almost hit the house. We, we were building goat carts. We were doing this. We were doing that. We were the family that was the bizarre family in the neighborhood. And I loved it. By the time I graduated from high school, we had gone to 45 out of the 50 states. When we, when we had, my dad would bring home a cow, hang it in the garage, and butcher it himself. He went to the library, bought a book on how to butcher, and we butchered the thing. I mean, as a boy, how cool is that? My dad built a camper in the garage. You know pop-up campers? Before pop-up campers were on the market, we had one. I'm dead serious about that. We went to campgrounds, and people came over, and we had this camper because my dad didn't have enough money to do other things, so we went camping all the time. And we'd pull out this tent camper with the sides that pull out, and and people would come over and like, what is that? They had no idea what that was. I thought it was so cool. And just the creative opportunities in life is just so marvelous. So if, if, you're, if you're a craft doer, do crafts. If you're a builder, if you're electronics, you know, do, do it. If it's sports, do it. But be creative and last, teach by example. Teach by example. You can talk formally. You can teach informally. You can be creative. But if your life doesn't follow what you're trying to teach, Ouch. Jesus Christ said to the disciples, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Just follow. Just hang. And he saw them teach formally, informally, talking about a creative guy. Just by being with them. And they watched them. And those guys changed the world. Teach by example. Last verse as we close up. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. My personal life and ministry verse. It says, we loved you so much, Paul is saying to the Thessalonians. This was, his, this was his approach. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God. Now, is that not a bizarre statement? Around here, we're all about the Scriptures. And for someone, the Apostle Paul, to make the statement that I'm not just about the Gospel. It's not saying that he's half about it. It's saying that he's about it, but there's something else he's about as well. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the Gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Hey, if you want to be effective in ministry... Use this tool and this tool. Because God uses both of these. And as a parent, I call you parents. Please, use the Scriptures. If you don't know the Scriptures, if you don't know, get in it. Start at it. If you need some help with some resources, we've got some out there. If you don't know where topics like anger or or, or sin or forgiveness or, or joy, if you don't know where the Scriptures go, go out. We've got a book out there that has, you can just look up those topics on it. It's got just a list of verses on those topics. Use it. We use those things all the time with our kids. But parents, teach. Please teach. Invest in your kids' lives. Instruct them. Help them. Someone's gonna. And God wants it to be you. And dads, 
your first. Tweens and teens, love God. I want to tell you, love Him. It's so worth it. And that includes obeying your mom and dad. Because if you don't obey, you don't honor your mom. If you don't obey, you don't honor your dad. You are not obeying and you are not honoring Jesus Christ. Great challenges for all of us. Let me pray. Lord, um, we're so grateful for the fact that you have been the perfect father. You have loved us. You have cared about us. You have given for us. You've sacrificed for us. You've instructed us with your word. You've equipped us with your spirit. You've given us the opportunity to know you as our Savior. Lord, I just thank you for being the perfect father. And Lord, I pray we would, as parents, just work diligently at that. I pray for these parents. God, you've put a great opportunity on their life platter. Help them. And I pray they would be ones who are diligent about it, pursuing after it, putting together a plan, and going after their kids' hearts with the truth of the Word of God. Lord, I pray for the teens and the tweens. And Father, would you just help them to understand and help them to continue in as obeyers and honorers of their parents. Lord, I pray for the grandparents. What a cool opportunity in life. I thank you for so many in here that I know of that are really working hard, even if they've made mistakes as parents, they're working hard at this stage of life to invest in their grandchildren. Oh God, there's something special about a grandma and a grandpa. Use them. Lord, I pray for those who don't have children at this point. Lord, if someday you'd have them have children, I pray they'd be preparing themselves now to be the kind of mom, to be the kind of dad that pours their life into them, that pours your word into them. God, we need wisdom as parents. It's such a hard task. Such a hard task. We can't do it without you. Help us. In your name we pray.